Hi, I'm Amy Donaldson. And I'm Jason Lee. Listen to our free podcast, Voices of Reason, unless you enjoy screaming matches. Nope, you're not going to hear that with us. You'll hear folks who may disagree, but seek to understand different views. That's Voices of Reason on the KSL Radio app or wherever you find interesting podcasts. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, Talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. Today on the show, I've got Michael Karnjanapakorn. He's the CEO of Skillshare. What are the values that every individual at our company should or would value? Um, And that's when we started coming up with different phrases. Um, So over time, it evolved into this saying called SHARP, which are you know, people that would be a great culture fit here would be self-starters, are humble, and adaptable, resourceful, and have high passion for excellence. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Also, I want to talk to you about one of our show's sponsors. I met these guys back on episode six. CEO Zach Smith was telling me all about starting a skateboard company and how much he hated doing the bookkeeping uh, for a skateboard shop and how he really uh, got led to start this business, Bookly, that's a hybrid combining bookkeeping software and human services. And I'll tell you why I let them become a sponsor. It's because I use their service now. I don't love paying 50 bucks an hour for bookkeepers to do stuff that I know software could do way, way cheaper. But uh, I don't love bookkeeping at all. So I want a real live human who knows what they're talking about to help me with the stuff I don't understand. Uh, probably the straw that broke the camel's back for me, though, the thing that put me over the top was that they could do my taxes and payroll also. Um, so totally suggest checking them out. Go to their website, bookly.co, and check out their flat rates. I've been super happy with them. So now on to today's episode. Michael, thanks for making time for us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, kind of excited to have you on the show. You guys are obviously a leader in your space, uh, but for the few people who may not know Skillshare, can you give us just a little bit of background? Uh, sure. Uh, Skillshare is a learning community, um, so you could think of it kind of um, like Netflix for learning. Um, we have over 17,000 online classes um, for one price. I mean, a lot of our topics range anywhere from you know, creative to business to tech skills, um, and we've been around, I would say, for the past six years. That's great. And, and can you talk a little bit about what you were doing beforehand, uh, Behance and all this? Sure. So I would say the majority of my career has been working in tech, specifically startups. Uh, before this, I worked at a startup called Hot Potato, which got acquired by Facebook. And I was a really early employee at another startup called Behance, um, which was you know kind of like the LinkedIn for the creative professional community. Um, before that, I spent about a year uh, volunteering in, in New Orleans, you know, right after Hurricane Katrina. And I think that experience is what really opened my eyes to, to working on something that can have an impact in the world. Yeah. By the way, can I say personally what a fan I am of Behance? And uh, even just the, I mean, as a, as a user, now that it's an Adobe product, but, but also, uh, man, their 99U conference is epic. It's one, I feel like it's one of the best conferences I've been to. Oh, that's awesome. Funny you say that because that was uh, one of the, the the early projects I worked on, Behance with Scott Dulski. So we kind of put that together and I kind of led the, I guess, the initial formation of that conference. 
Yeah, I, I consider myself a little bit of a conference junkie. Um, just <laughs> over the years, I, I like I like learning, so I want to go to conference to see what the latest and greatest is. And uh, I just felt like that one was one of the best produced. S- such uh, intentionality of who the speakers were. And, oh yeah, the team and, has done. Uh, I think yeah, they've done a phenomenal job over the years of you know just making it much much better and better and improving it for sure. Yeah, such a fan. Well, listen, um, let's talk about Skillshare. Um, you know, it's it's obviously a space that there's other people doing some things similar, some things different. How do you guys differentiate yourself? Yeah, so you know that's that's something that you know we've always thought about from from day one. Uh, I actually think it's very important for all companies to to kind of figure out how they differentiate and you know what are those areas and in I guess over time, like what are things they're executing against to to strengthen that differentiation. Um, so we think of it across many different areas, but I, I guess to start, um, you know, let's say one is we're very accessible and very affordable. So we are, you know, one of very few subscription models within the space. And I would say the other, the other area is that we're also an open platform, meaning that, you know, it's completely open. Anyone can come to the website and upload class, you know, upload a class. Um, so for us, we always wanted to keep it open because uh, we wanted to, in the long run, you know, have a class on almost every skill possible. And we knew that there's just no way that, you know, our company could not only come up with all the ideas for classes, but produce them. Um, so we want to take advantage of, I guess, the power of the internet and create an open platform. And then on the, on the other side is we wanted that to be as accessible and affordable for students globally. Yeah, what, I mean, it's been, what, six, seven years now. What are some of the big lessons you feel like you've learned along the way? Yeah, I mean, there, there's so many that come to mind. I think, uh, you know, when you're really, really early, like let's say you're going from zero to one, um, I, th- I think the biggest lesson there is just building a product that, that people use. Um, and the best way you can do that is just by talking to as many customers and iterating. And I call that kind of rolling your sleeves up and, and getting it done and kind of navigating your way through, I guess, the minefield of things that could go wrong. Um, and I think from zero to one, you're, you're just kind of really focused on um, making sure you don't got a business or make, making sure your idea works. And I, and I think when you go from like one to 10, I think the big lesson there is um, really, really understanding, you know, what levers you can pull to really grow your business predictably um, and searching for those and setting up a great culture and a great team um, and essentially setting up a solid foundation. And I think when you go from like 10 to 100, you know, it's kind of like, you know, turning on the boosters to, to grow the business as, you know, as fast as you can. Um, so that I kind of always viewed, you know, Skillshare or any startup in, within those three phases. Um, and there are definitely lessons within each one of those as well. Yeah, let, let's break those apart a little bit. So thinking at that zero to one, um, I mean, besides, you know, data or tracking, you know, tracking how much is viewed or, or what clicks are happening. Um, what were those, what were those early interviews like? What, what kind of questions were you asking when you, I'm assuming you're talking about actually hopping on phone calls or emails back and forth with customers or what, what did that, what form did that take? Yeah. So the, the first iteration of Skillshare was actually in-person classes. So at, at, when we first started the business, nothing was online other than being, being able to find and book a class in your city or, you know, teach a class. 
And I think in the early days, you know, we, we talked to a lot of people on, on the idea and to get feedback. And through all those conversations, we realized that there was one big reason that everyone thought this idea would fail. Um, and that reason was really centered around, um, it was really hard to teach and people can't teach. So you can't take, a, take someone that works as a designer and teach them how to teach because you have to go to school for five years. It's really hard. Um, so the only thing we focused on in the early days was essentially debunking the idea that, uh, debunking that idea. So on the teacher side, we, you know, I taught the first class, um, I got my friends to teach and I spent a lot of time teaching them how to teach. And you have to realize that like, I'm not a teacher at all either. So we, you know, we had to kind of devise and design a way that, that made it as easy as possible. Um, and once those teachers started to teach those classes, like I went to every single class. I was like the TA. I took attendance. Um, I was customer support. You know, every single you know student that came. You know, I asked them what they thought of the experience. And you know, throughout that, you start finding certain themes and what works and what doesn't, and it kind of you know, helps you kind of figure out what to do next um, at that early early stage. Yeah, um, and then when you're talking about these levers, the the one to ten, you know, the two to ten there. Uh, what did those look like for you, or, or what were what were some of the ones you guys designed as? This is how we're going to build our culture. Yeah, I, I would say we have. You know, I, I look at like our culture, and um, kind of like I look at it like how we build our product. It's very very deliberate. So, you know, we never wanted our culture to be, you know, something that kind of just happened. We wanted to kind of design it. Um, and I think, you know, in the early days, I think some of the mistakes we made were, you know, we would just, you know, hire people and they it wouldn't be a cultural fit. And, you know, our, our litmus test back then was, you know, would you, would you grab a beer with this person? Now that, that was kind of how we would deem people were a great culture fit. And we realized that didn't really work. You know, it had a lot of subjective biases in there. And, you know, um, you know, we, you know, there's a lot of people that pass that test that weren't culture fit. So we started thinking through. What are the values that every individual at our company should or would value? Um, and that's when we started coming up with different phrases. Um, so over time, it evolved into this saying called SHARP, which are, you know, people that would be a great culture fit here would be self-starters, are humble and adaptable, resourceful, and have high passion for excellence. And we felt that, you know, if, if anyone valued those values, you know, that, that would actually solve like 90 to 95 percent of of the problems that have happened in most cultures when, you know, there's a lot of disagreements on just core values. Um, so we, we re-architected our interview process. We, we started giving out, you know, rewards based on, you know, those core values. And, you know, over time, it just became, you know, part of our ethos. And I would say today, I'm, I'm so glad that we did that and we kind of designed that into the foundation because, you know, today we have a very diverse company. We have all different types of, I guess, sexes, age groups, um, races, experiences, and it, it gives us a, a, a very different, you know, vantage point and allows us to have so many different perspectives on, you know, how we solve some of the big challenges that we face day to day as a business. Yeah. You know, I'm looking at this Inc. article from a couple of years back when you were in the top 35 under 35. Um, look, or, I don't know if I said Forbes or Inc., but uh, I mean, they talked about back then you guys had already had 180,000 students take classes online. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, and we've grown it to, I think we have over three, three and a half million I guess, users on the platform today. 
um, it just shows like the power of the internet, you know, and the power of decentralization and network effects and, you know, building, you know, a platform that, you know, leverages the power, I guess, of individuals. Um, and that's always been our ethos as well, you know, from how we design the platform to how we design our culture. Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking about one of the comments you made in there is solidifying the business model, making sure you're making money. Um, maybe I, you know, maybe I said that wrong, but can you tell me a bit more about how you think through that process and, you know, everybody wants growth, but profitability, uh, obviously has value too. Can you talk about your, your thoughts there? Yeah, I think in the early 20, I say 2010 to 2015, like the, the, I guess the dominant business model for internet startups is free. Um, so, you know, it's like grow your user base as big as possible, like Facebook, and then you can monetize them through ads. And, uh, I kind of, you know, there's a lot of startups that went down that path and I just felt that, uh, you know, starting a company that derived revenue from day one, um, especially if it was within education, I thought would work much, much better. So I think that comment was really centered around figuring out your business model, um, sticking to it and growing it over time. And, and I would say, you know, fast forward a couple of years, you know, it's, it's worked very well for a company. It, I would say it's just a funny thing to say, right? It's like, hey, figure out how your business makes money. Um, but I think in the early 2010s, you know, that, that was always build the product first and you figure out how to monetize it later. And, you know, we kind of did it backwards. Well, obviously, uh, you're still around and yeah. the folks that yeah. the other way or not. So, yeah, so. I, think we've got, I think we've got a vote on which is <laughs> preferable. Yeah, for, for sure. At least in my books. Um, well, let, let's talk about this, though. Um, you know, charging for something that a lot of people can go get free versions of where they're, you know, they can go on a YouTube and they can get, they can get really great information sometimes and, and obviously really terrible information other times. And, you know, there's so many places to get free information on the web. Um, can you talk about your, you know, your methodologies and your philosophy for attracting clients of why this is high enough quality, you should be paying for it and, and this type of an approach? Yeah, yeah. I, th I think, you know, one of, one of the things that, you know, we kind of focused on in the early days was really centered around, like, how do we compensate our teachers, right? So, you know, these are people that are practitioners in the field, they're thought leaders, and, you know, they're very, you know, very busy. And we knew that most of them, you know, wanted to teach, but we also wanted to make sure that, the, you know, we can compensate them for their time. Um, so for us, we do focus a lot on quality. So for us, quality can be defined as, you know, you know, creating great content. Uh, but we really define it as, you know, just, you know, being a very great teacher. Um, so we wanted to make sure that, you know, if, we, if our you know, students were coming to our platform, we wanted to make sure and ensure that they would find great quality content from, you know, the world's best practitioners and experts in their fields. Um, not to say that, you know, a lot of our students can find those things for free, you know, on the Internet, but... It would be no different than, you know, paying for an album from a musician or paying for a movie. Um, you know, we wanted to, you know, create that same model for teachers because we have a fundamental belief that you know, anyone could teach. And you know, we want to introduce, you know, more students to, to that, that breadth of content. So I actually think this is a good place to pause for just a minute to tell you about one of our show sponsors. I was actually pretty excited when Skillshare reached out. You know, a lot of our listeners know I'm a real learning nerd really into the audiobooks and things like this and these guys have a ton of great classes um, there's like 16,000 classes on their website but you only pay one 
monthly price. You don't have to pay per class like a number of the services out there. So it's unlimited access with a low monthly price kind of thing. But the, the breadth of the classes and the quality of them, I'm actually really impressed with. I was on there for just a few minutes and I had like a dozen classes I've, I've saved to take. There's stuff on social media marketing, mobile photography, logo design, just all sorts of things for growing a business or creative things. Um, and what's nice is they're letting me give away a free month. Um, if you go to skillshare.com slash leader, uh, you can get a free month. Um, the class that I would recommend for sure right off the bat, though, is from Seth Godin. I'm a big Seth Godin fan, read all his books. A lot of my friends are too. But he's got a class on there called The Modern Marketing Workshop that I, I really could not recommend enough. It's I actually think it's better than a number of his books because it's super broken down, specific how-tos, answer this question for yourself, make a plan, write it down. Um, it's not as much general uh, marketing advice. It's like specific. You need to do stuff different if you watch this. Anyways, skillshare.com slash leader, get a free month. There's tons of stuff on there worth checking out. But but uh, my personal recommendation, the Modern Marketing Workshop by Seth Godin is the one that uh, I think you should at least check out. Anyways, let's get back in the interview. Yeah, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about, I mean, I understand some of your top teachers are making like $40,000 a year just on off this on the side. Is that is that right? Yeah, I would say our top teachers now are making six figures a year um, just from teaching oh, really? on the platform, yeah. And and is it is it just a, what does that model look like? Say somebody listening today is saying, you know, I've specialized in something I'd love to teach about. I never realized I could. They, they come to your, you know, they come to Skillshare.com. Um, they, they click become a teacher. Is it, is it a royalty that they're receiving or what, what does that arrangement look like? Yeah. It's a, it's a royalty that, you know, they receive every single month based on, I guess, engagement. So based on, uh, we take the total number of minutes watched per month and we divide it by the number of minutes in your class, in your class or classes. And, um, we send you a royalty payment every single month based on that. So, you know, our top teachers are making six figures, um, and very similar to Netflix or Spotify, you know, as our student base gets bigger, that royalty, you know, pull gets bigger as well. Yeah, that's, uh, that's got to be fun for people who thought it was a bit of a side project to now be pulling six figures, huh? Yeah, yeah. And it just goes to the testament. You know, a lot of our teachers weren't teachers, right? You know, they were just people in their field that wanted either to get back and share their skills or, you know, had people pinging them, you know, with the same question over and over again. So they decided to kind of teach that. But, you know, I think that's like the beauty of the internet, right? So, you know, I always say that the, the, the biggest untapped resource in the world is knowledge. And, you know, we can leverage the internet to, to allow people to share that knowledge. And if that knowledge gets shared and people develop new skills, you know, around that, then you can imagine how, fat, how much faster the world could spin and how many new things we could build, you know, all the new innovations we can create, new companies, um, and, you know, it really comes down to people sharing, you know, the knowledge that they have. You know, um, I'm thinking about this and, and just, you know, how much your model appreciates or, or allows for the best content to rise to the top rather than having you guys pick it. Um, what, what have you found? Like, what are some of the top classes or what are, what are trends that you've noticed as far as, whether you predicted it or not, you know, the, the classes that have become super popular or the themes that have become super popular. Yeah. So I have a pretty funny story. So let's say maybe a couple of years ago, um, 
while we were kind of experimenting with, you know, so what the online, what, so long story short is when we went to offline, we moved online. And when we moved online, we spent about six months kind of testing out what that could look like and what the content could look like. And at that point, the platform wasn't open because we're still kind of tinkering with the model. And at that point, we were designing a lot of the classes together um, internally. So we made all the classes. We filmed them. We picked the topics. We found the teachers. And um, I would say every, you know, almost every class topic that we thought would do well just bombed. Um, and a couple of months later, when we opened up the platform, we kind of looked at all the content that was coming, getting uploaded on the platform. And I remember seeing a meeting where we would kind of guess which, which, which class we thought would take off that week. And again, everything we picked was just completely wrong. And then that's when we realized that, you know, there's just no, there's, it's a very, you know, it's very hard to predict what it's going to happen in the world. Um, and the best way for us to solve that is to create an open platform that allowed anyone to upload anything. Um, and that's, you know, if I told you, you know, what some of the classes, I would say they're just all over the place. And that's the beauty behind having open platform because you can have that long tail of content around all the random skills um, that might be very important to you, um, that you that you weren't able to learn in school because, you know, maybe your college had maybe 20 majors versus, you know, um, allowing you to learn machine learning. Um, so we find it's most of the skills that aren't widely taught are the ones that do really, really well on the platform. Yeah. Well, I mean, this style of business, the folks who have done it well have, have obviously had some pretty big financial rewards. I mean, you guys are, are growing like crazy. You know, a lot of people know about lynda.com selling to LinkedIn for 1.5 billion or plural site, you know, sounds like they're getting ready for an IPO, kind of a billion dollar plus number. What do you think it is about this, this model that's so powerful? Yeah, I, I think I kind of view it in two ways. One is, um, you know, I, I do believe in the power of the internet. And when you think about platforms like Airbnb or Uber or Skillshare, you know, those are the ones that you know, scale exponentially, and especially when, when they hit. And I think on that, I think that model typically wins on the internet or, or you know, um, scales. And I think within the space, I think, you know, within education and learning, um, I think it's just taking something that was previously inaccessible and making that accessible to people all around the world um, and making it extremely affordable as well. So in one paradigm, you had to spend fifty dollars to $100,000 to get a, a college degree. In another, you spend, you know, ten to $20 a month and you have access to a whole breadth of, of classes on anything that you possibly would want to learn. Um, and if you're you know, motivated or you want to learn to get a new job or to start a business, um, you know, having access to that is you know, extremely game-changing, especially if you think and believe that you know, the rest of the world is going to get on the internet you know, over the next five to ten years as well. Yeah, what is your strategy? I mean, are you guys doing anything about translation or, or anything as you expand globally? Yeah, so international is going to be a big focus for us, I, I would say, over the next couple of years. So, um, you know, the you know, company's always gone through different evolutions and different areas where we're going to be focusing. And, you know, uh, you know, our mission is providing access to, to learning and opportunities. Um, and, you know, that could be defined as, you know, making it more affordable, um, I think the next version of that is making it, you know, more accessible to people across different languages and countries. Right now, we're primarily English-speaking, but we've seen a huge demand 
um, from just users and customers globally. Um, so I think we're going to definitely um, expand and, and figure out how to bring Skillshare to more people you know, all around the world. And, and is your intention there more closed captioning or voiceover or, or what, what does that conversions look like as you start addressing other um, I think all of the above, you know, marketing, you know, taking our existing content, translating it, getting people within those languages and countries teaching, you know, so I think um, it's going to be a combination of everything, you know, all the things that we mentioned previously. Yeah, that's great. Well, listen, I think we're about up for, for part one of the episode here. Um, besides people coming to Skillshare.com um, to come check it out themselves, uh, what, where, where else can they follow you? Check you out on Medium or social or what's uh, where do you put your ideas? Yeah, out? so I think for Skillshare, go Skillshare.com. We're on pretty much every social channel, um, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, and if you want to follow me, it's Mike Karn, so M-I-K-E-K-A-R-N-J, you know, on all those social channels as well. That's great. Thanks so much, uh, everybody. Please tune in to part two. We're going to keep asking Michael about inventing the future here. Thanks so much. Well, that's it for the episode. One other thing I wanted to tell you about, if you remember the guys from Convoy uh, in episodes back, Ken Free and Trent Mano, I went on one of their CEO trips to New York and I met a guy named Brent Thompson, very successful entrepreneur. He was former CEO of Jive Communications, big uh, company now, I think three or four hundred million dollars. Anyways, he, uh, he started a new company called BlipBillboards.com. I'm super stoked they're a sponsor now. But I remember a year and some ago when I met him, I thought it was genius. Instead of having to buy six months or a year's worth of billboard um, for thousands of dollars, you can buy eight seconds at a time for like 10 or 20 cents. You pick what billboard you want it on, what time of day you want it to run, and it just puts so much power in the hands of, of marketers and CEOs who want to try something and see if it works. You can buy as many or as few as you want, change it as many times as you want. Uh, I think now our podcast is being advertised on billboards in like 18 different states because we have these guys as sponsors. We're pretty excited about it. Hope you check out blipbillboards.com. Thanks. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 4.375%, APR 4.65%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 2.13% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 33. 30.